Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And now it's time for Score Overnights with Mark Grody. Gives it up to Williams in the far corner. Now posting up Bob Morrow. The shade from Akogi. Double on the ball. Flips it up with the right hand underneath the cup on the left block and scores. That's that was NBA a move. tough angle shot. That's a big time NBA move right there. Get bumped under behind the backboard. Reach around and pop it in off the glass. That's a nice. Dribble trap by right to Lehman. Steps in left corner. Rainbow three good. That was a quick release. Wow. Right in front of the Minnesota bench. The seldom used Jake Lehman for three. And it's 116. 115 bulls, 135 left in regulation. Jones back to Williams, circle right, dribble drive, jump pass, left side, Brown to Isle, left elbow three, bulls Isle, big time shot, onions, baby onions for Isle Dosumu, timeout, Minnesota, bulls in front, 121, 116, 31.6 seconds left in regulation, Io Dosumu with 25, and Nathan Knight right side, three ball, bank shot. No ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. 124 120. Bring on the Bucks. Three and one the count to Suzuki with men at first and second and two away here in the bottom of the first. The pitch. Swung on and hit in the air. Deep to left field. There it goes. Gone. Seiya Suzuki with his first major league home run. A three-run job into the left center field bleachers. And the Cubs strike first. A 3-0 lead over Milwaukee in the first. Welcome to the big leagues. That's a big league bomb is what that is. 2-0. Rosso swings and hits one in the air. Deep left center field, and this one is in the bleachers for a home run. Milwaukee retakes the lead on the solo home run by Brasso. 5-4 Brewers here in the set. Payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Ball game over. For the first time this season, the Cubs lose as Milwaukee holds on, beating the Cubs by a final of 5-4. Center field. Reyes charging. Reyes lays out. And Reyes can't make the catch. Super Joe's got Tim coming home. Throw to the plate, not nearly in time. Eloy Jimenez drives in run number six. Into center, Andrew Vaughn. That's a base hit. 
He just had a three-run homer. Now he's got an RBI single. Double figures for the Sox on getaway day, 10 to 1. Welcome in to Score Overnight. I'm Mark Grody. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm here live and local with you now, midnight, 12.08, until 5 in the morning when it's Mully and Haw. Love being with you guys. I should start this show by congratulating before I forget because there's so much to talk about. I want to congratulate Zach Zaidman for calling the Seiya Suzuki three-run homer and not, not saying say you later because i've heard that a lot today i've heard that a lot today so good job zach you didn't fall for the trap now i i suppose everybody gets one and suzuki's probably going to hit 20 to 30 home runs this year i don't know maybe more so at some point in time if it happens forgiveness will be given and especially if it's like a game-winning grand slam i mean i guess it's very tempting but it is just a little too tempting, I suppose. So good job to Zach Zabin, who had the call of the Cubs game today right here on this very radio station, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, a terrific start to the season for the Chicago Cubs as they take two out of three from, you know, one of the best teams in the division, maybe even one of the best teams in the National League, the Brewers, just because of their top three in their pitching staff. And I'll be damned if the Cubs didn't beat Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff 5-4 and 9 to nothing. So we're going to talk all sorts of baseball on score overnight. The White Sox got a win yesterday as well and they've had a nice start to their season after a stumbly start out of the gates in that game one where Aaron Bummer and Liam Hendricks fell apart but the White Sox take two out of three from Detroit they thumped them Tigers today 10 to 1 was the final score you heard Jason Benetti and Steve Stone with some of their highlights today from NBC Sports Chicago so good things for both of our baseball teams and those will be two of our topics throughout the overnight here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score i am mark grody and i have opened the doors to the score i get the the first words on the new day on most days when we do do and perform score overnight so you guys get the first word too we get to set the template for the day here at the score we set the pace the tempo everything so make your voice part of it at 312 644 67 67 is the number again 312 644 67 67 is the the number at for the to call and that is the number to text as well 312 644 67 67 eventually i will open up well my twitter is always open but just not on my laptop at the moment it will be so you can tweet me on twitter always love getting your tweets at mark Rody sports if you're not following me i would love it i would love it you don't have to but i would love it if you'd followed me and we can converse and go back and forth on stuff that, that is sportsy of course i guess it doesn't have to be sportsy but i'm on twitter for you at mark Rody sports i am on instagram as well you can find me there i think it's mark underscore Grody. if you want to see the fresh picture of me giving my Hall of Fame speech at Illinois State University this weekend. That I put it up. It's on my story. It's on the regular still frame. 
you know, it's social media, and we all brag about ourselves, and I guess I'm no different. So I done done it. I didn't like leave a like a ten minute tweet thanking people or anything. I God, if I ever do that, just slap me around. You changed the samples, do... didn't you? Yes. Huh? Yeah. You switched the samples after Lentz died. You falsified your research. Yeah, the the picture that I put up, it does look like I'm doing an act of the fugitive. So I put that on there. That didn't really happen. I was gonna say, did you did you did you give a Provasic quote or anything? Man, like that? there were so many things that I thought about doing, Sean Sears yeah. when I did my because they said you get like four to five minutes. So okay. it's, it's it's a little bit tricky to do everything you want to. And I was like I was kind of feeling out the crowd, like, because I was, like, the fourth or fifth presenter. I don't remember. But, and I was like, do I do, do I do jokes? Do I do some impersonations? Do I do serious? You know, I got my parents there and a bunch of family and a few friends as well. So I just kind of, the, throughout the, the evening, it was probably more serious than not. So, of course, I, I mean, I mostly made jokes and made fun of myself while I was up there, but I did not do, I didn't completely sell out and do the fugitive. I just, I, I wasn't sure if that was the crowd. That's probably, you know? that's probably a smart move, honestly. Yeah. Right. I mean, because there's a lot of people there that were like super young too, because they had some of the like current class at Illinois state there. So I don't know how much they know about the, the fugitive. Sure. That could have gone over their head. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. And, and I should probably be more trustworthy of my fellow Illinois staters, but I was like, I don't know. I, I I think maybe in this, you know, in this four to five minutes, I could probably, you know, throw get get the crowd warmed up a little bit, and then thank a few people and uh, be a little bit serious and and get the hell off the stage. So that was pretty much what I did. But yeah, well, it was congrats a blast. nonetheless, man. That's awesome. Oh yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, this was one of those things, and we've all had these things in life where you. I was looking forward to this, and trust me, when I was told that I was being honored by Illinois State and and uh, my campus radio station WZND, that I mean, of course, I was blown away. I was, on, and then you know, I got this call obviously a long time ago. I was blown away, honored, moved, all that kind of stuff. But then you actually have to follow through with the whole thing. You gotta, you know, get something nice to wear. You gotta put together a speech, drive downstate a couple hours, get a hotel, manage everybody else that's coming. So, I, I, in a weird way, there was part of me that wasn't looking forward to it and didn't know what to expect because I didn't really talk to anybody else. You know, talk to Ranji about it, but he didn't know any. He didn't remember anything. It's like it's like he was drunk through the whole thing or something. So I. I just didn't know what to expect. Was it going to be big? Was it going to be small? Was it going to be cheesy? Is it going to be, are people going to be really going to be dressed up? Is this like a real award? And then I, it exceeded my expectations by a huge, huge amount. Like it was real. <laughs> it was real. There was a ton of people there, you know, big ass banquet room. You know, obviously everybody dressed up, and you know, as you will see on my Instagram post, I think I, it's actually on Twitter and Facebook as well. So, yeah, I mean, it was real. It was real, and people took it very seriously. And I even got a a, a big heavy trophy for it, and my name engraved at the school, and all that kind of stuff. So it it's like I wished actually, because I think I told you about this, Sean, how I, I was a little bit conflicted about how many people I was going to alert about this in my life just because 
of the fact that it did cost money to go. Like if you wanted to buy a plate, and of sure. course, of course, I bought. And for, for me, it was free, but not for anybody else, including my parents. So I, of course, I paid for my parents. Of course, I paid for my aunt as well. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep it at that. But then. My brothers came with their families. A couple of friends came, and luckily there was a ton of people too that that came on their own, like people from my class. And they weren't necessarily there to see me. They were they were just there because they are fans of Illinois State and fans of of seeing people who have been, you know, relatively successful in the radio business. So that so the the gist of it. Now what I was saying is everybody knows these moments in life where. You kind of don't – you're not really looking forward to it. And then you go, and it's like it blows you away. And you meet people, and you make new connections, and you meet new people and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, thank God I went. And that – kids, that's the lesson in life. You, you never – sometimes it's the things that – and I shouldn't say, like, this wasn't like a drag for me to go to. Trust me, I felt very honored and, and very humbled by the whole thing. You know, there are, there are things that are probably better examples of what I'm trying to get across right now that you just don't want to, something, you know, your wife or your girlfriend is dragging you to and then something good happens of it. Or, or God, here's a good example of a, a sports reporter moment for me. I remember covering a White Sox game years ago. And I had, and I was completely hungover, and I, going to the, and, you know, when you cover a baseball game, it's an all day thing. It was a night game, but you know, the the day starts early to get up, you get prepared. I get to the ballpark, uh, and this was you know covering a White Sox game. This was then U.S. Cellular Field. Get there about two o'clock, and I'm just hurting, and I felt like I was just trying to get through the day, and then I ended up breaking a story because I got to talk to face to face with, excuse me, with Jerry Reinsdorf, which, as you guys know, is a relative rarity. He doesn't typically talk to the media. He, he was out and about. This was a story. I don't even remember exactly the details of it, but it was a story, a breaking story centering on. Something with Jay Mariotti and yeah, something with Jay Mariotti. I don't remember the details, but I just remember getting a comment out of Jerry Reinsdorf, like not on. I don't even remember if it was on Mike, but he definitely said I could, I could report it, and like it was just like by chance, and it turned out to be like a great day for me, and I sounded great, like all that kind of stuff, and I just got home and I was like, woof, put my feet up. And said, I survived and I thrived. I survived and I thrived. So sometimes when you, the, the, when you least expect something good to happen in life, it happens. So, no, the lesson is not it's okay to be hungover when you go to your broadcast and media job. That is not what I am trying to get across. But everybody's gone to work hungover before and I, maybe the lesson is get your ass out of bed and go to work, even if you are hungover, even mo more so, because that doesn't count as being sick. All right? All right. Um, enough of that crap. 312-644-6767 uh, is the number here on the score. It, you heard the voice of Sean Sears. He is our fine producer here on 670, the score for score overnight. So if you do call, he is the man to whom you will speak. We talked about... The White Sox winning, the Cubs winning, and trust me, I got a lot to talk about. We have just scratched the surface with with those two teams. 
Oh, the Bulls. They do win their season finale tonight in Minnesota. Bulls 124, Minnesota 120. The Bulls will play the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. And that sucks. That blows. That is, to me, that is the worst-case scenario. There really wasn't a good-case scenario left for the Bulls just because everybody has been outplaying the Bulls. In particular, we've hit you over the head with the offer the Bulls have put up against the top teams in both conference. But I would say that Milwaukee knows how to beat the Bulls better than any of those teams. The Bulls, like against many of, of those opponents, 0-4 this year against Milwaukee. You know the story. 13 straight losses against Giannis Antetokounmpo. So it's it's not a good. It's not a good way. It's the worst-case scenario, and the Bulls have fallen into it. Game one of this best-of-seven first-round series is going to be either Saturday or Sunday in Milwaukee. So game one, obviously, in Milwaukee. The Bulls win tonight, and you should know that the Bulls played tonight without most of their guys. They played without Zach Levine, no DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic sat this one out, so did Alex Caruso, even Kobe White got zero minutes tonight, just in the name of preservation. And obviously, and in the case of Zach Levine, now the Bulls have some time. I have no idea what it will mean to keep Zach Levine off of his feet in earnest in terms of Ellie's games for the rest of this week, but it's got to mean something. So I think that's good. I think it'll actually mean a lot for somebody like DeMar DeRozan, who has been healthy as far as we know, but he's been on his feet a ton and has had to seemingly go overtime in, in most games, trying to pick up the slack and trying to be a hero, which he has been for so much of this season. So I think that's a good thing. Same for Vooch. I mean, he puts in a, an honest night's work every night, so he could probably use a little bit of, of refreshing time. And, of course, Alex Caruso, who just doesn't look like himself, really does not. And, you know, with the wrist and the back, and I don't know which has been more debilitating for him, but, again, for whatever it's worth, he gets to sit until – at least Saturday or Sunday when they next play. And, of course, these guys are going to practice and get on their feet and not do nothing, but there there could be some refreshing, and I have no idea what this does for Kobe White. <laughs> it probably makes him cold. Maybe Kobe White should have played. That's the way I look at that. Kobe White, you should have played. They should have put him in for a quarter or two and just – just let them, you know, you take 10 shots in this game and just see what happens, and then, then we'll we'll sit you out. But the Bulls win. They play the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. Patrick Williams had 35 for the Bulls tonight. He was excellent, a career high. Io DeSumo had a career high tonight. So he had uh, 26. So you, you, give, you give these kids a little bit of time, you let them play a little bit, and you see you see what happens, and we will circle back to the Bulls. And by the way, I'm bringing up all these things. If anything that you guys want to jump in on any of these Chicago sports that we are discussing, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. The the Blackhawks are still playing BTW. By the way, they have now lost seven in a row. And I know a lot of you guys are not caught up on the Blackhawks, and I understand that they've lost seven in a row after losing to Dallas last night. Six to four, the final score. Jason Robertson had a couple of goals. He is their leading scorer this year. 
Kevin Lankinen did not have a good night. As a matter of fact, he eventually got pulled. He allowed five goals, did uh, Lankinen, just in time for Colin Delia to come in, and uh, he got in on the party, too. Welcome to the party, pal. He gives up a goal to the Blackhawks host Los Angeles tomorrow. The best part about the Blackhawks game tonight for some of you watching tonight was that, yes, Dale Talon partnered up with Pat Foley to do that game last night. His old and I think longest lasting partner, I think, but just the one, the the guy that, I mean, obviously Eddie Olchek is tremendous, but there was something about or is something about Pat Foley and Dale Talon that is just the best when it comes to the Blackhawks. So that was that was neat. I'm going to use the word neat. That was neat to hear Pat and Dale Talon. And then golf. Golf. Golf, as some people say. Golf. Scotty Scheffler, the number one golfer in the world. He was number one. He wins the Masters. Ten under overall. Scotty Scheffler, 69, 67, 71, 71. So he played it cool the last couple of days, and that's a smooth Masters victory for Scotty Scheffler. He wins it by three shots over Rory McIlroy, uh, who was obviously 7-under overall. Shane Lowry was 5-under overall. So was Cameron Smith and his party in the back. He was 5-under. And then there was Tiger Woods, who it uh, was a disappointing finish for him as far as the golf is concerned, he was plus 13 overall, so completely out of the picture, completely off the leaderboard, but it was considered a great success for Tiger Woods. He considered it a great success anyway that that he was able to play all four rounds, and I guess considering the guy almost had his leg cut off, and you could probably say he almost died, I'd say it is a pretty incredible accomplishment that he was there, period. Whether he golfed or not, who cares? Just that he was there and that he was present and that he is standing up on two legs. I think that's pretty cool for Tiger Woods. He shot 78s on both Saturday and Sunday. So that's what brought him down, 71 and 74 the first two days. So if he had stayed like he had been in, in his first round, in his first 18, 71, which was that was incredible then he would have been right there in the picture. But he slowly faded away and then quickly faded away in the end. So these are some of the things that we are going to be talking about tonight, and I am interested in talking to you as well. 312-644-6767. We don't have any guests planned to come on through the overnight, but you just never know who might pop on live. And we invite all folks to jump in at 312-644-6767. We must take our first break on score overnight, but we'll take your calls and dig into all these juicy local sports topics next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Gives it up to Williams in the far corner. Now posting up Balmaro. The shade from Akogi. Double on the ball. Flips it up with the right hand underneath the cup on the left block and scores. That's that was NBA a move. tough angle shot. That's a big time NBA move right there. Get bumped under behind the backboard. Reach around and pop it in off the glass. That's nice. I like the fact that he didn't get passive or get down on himself. You know, he really just kept staying with it. And um, he maintained a level of aggressiveness. You know, and listen, he's, he shot the ball pretty well. You know, I thought I thought he made some tough shots. He also made some timely big shots for us where they were going on a run. Um, but he's also have to understand that he's going to have nights where, you know, 
maybe the ball's not going in the basket, but that aggressive mentality still is beneficial and helpful to our team, you know, when he does that, because he's just another guy you have to guard. Bulls won last night. They beat Minnesota 124 to 120. You're Chuck Swirsky with a call right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. And that was the voice of the Bulls head coach, Billy Donovan. And I get you. I look in some of the, the texts here at 312 644 6767. Love my Bulls, but I'll be pleasantly surprised if they don't get swept. Another one, the Bulls' lackluster play since the All-Star break has them saddled with the worst possible playoff matchup. Yeah, absolutely. This is a worst-case scenario, and yes, you could just look at it as, hey, the playoffs are here, and this is great, and this is going to be awesome, and it's the first time in five years, let's go, everybody get up. The United Center's going to be rocking, but there couldn't be a worse matchup if you make do the comparisons with the Bulls just because of, well, I mean, you, if you want, you can narrow it down to Giannis Antetokounmpo, but that's not even really fair to guys like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, who have destroyed the Bulls as well. And, yeah, the Bulls 0-4 against the Bucks this year, 13 straight losses on Giannis's watch, and it's just it's not, it's not a good matchup. And so when people say, and now I'm seeing it too on the text line too, just be happy to win one game and not get swept. I hate it when we have to set the bar there, but I actually do get it. What they were talking about there, Billy Donovan, was Patrick Williams, who had played 41 minutes tonight and scored 35 points. And he was terrific. 10 of 21 from the field, made three out of his four three-point attempts. He was aggressive, confident, forceful, finding his shot inside and outside, obviously. And it was just really good to see. Now, I think there is a very good reason for it, and that that is that we know, like, one of the issues with Patrick Williams has been, if you want to say issues, and I struggle with that a little bit because he's so young and has played so little, one of the issues is is that he has not been able to find his place on, on the Bulls, even going back to last year, starting with when Nikola Vucevic came here, and it seemed like Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic were just trying desperately to figure out their own chemistry. Patrick Williams was completely lost in that. And then you look at this team now with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, and Caruso, Caruso and Kobe White, and on and on and on. There's a lot of options on this team. So when Patrick Williams is installed into that lineup, whether starting or off the bench, it's difficult. It would be difficult for any young player to find their shot, maybe even a little bit intimidated by, like, am I allowed to take the shot? Is that cool? And so without those guys, there's a freedom that he's going to have. And because they know that they need him, they know that he is a real-ass scoring option when – those guys are not there. So it was good to see. Like, I I do understand. Like, I do temper my enthusiasm with this because it just didn't feel like a real game at any point tonight with both Bulls and Minnesota taking their foot off the proverbial gas pedal. So you could say it felt like some people were saying it felt like a summer league game. Wasn't that bad. But it it was like that you could feel his freedom and his comfort and part of it was because the lights were dimmed in a figurative sense so that has to be taken 
into account. It's not like this was a revelation game, and this is Patrick Williams, ladies and gentlemen. But you did get to see some of the repertoire and what he might become someday. I still don't know that someday he's going to be scoring 35 a game. That's a tough trick for anybody to pull off. But at least you got, okay, it's sort of like, it's kind of like what we do with Justin Fields. Like, Justin Fields did not have a good year last year, but he had good moments or some moments where you looked at him play and you're like, okay, it's like horrible, it's bad, what was that throw? Oh, my God, you just, you just you know, were forced another fumble. And then you'll see him make a, a perfect in-stride throw downfield or make it some sort of immaculate run. You're like, okay, I haven't seen Bears quarterbacks do that. Now, Patrick Williams is not doing anything that you haven't seen before just because of the legacy that exists with the Bulls. But you could watch Patrick Williams last time and be like, oh, okay, okay. I see him muscling up down there. I see him banging down low. I see him the confidence. I see the three. I see you. I see you making three out of four of those threes. So that is something that is encouraging and good to see, and we'll take that from here. And I will be interested to see how what he looks like in the postseason and if there is you know, some sort of follow-up from this game. Like I said, I doubt it. I mean, this is this is not a game that you should look at for Patrick Williams and says, say, he's here, this is what we've all been talking about. But it is a game where you can look at Patrick Williams and go, okay, all right, I, I see you. I got what's going on here. I understand. I understand a little bit more now about you and why you're a lottery pick and the repertoire is real. So so that's the Patrick Williams story from tonight. Io Desumu. Also, with a career high tonight, 26 points. Get He got big minutes tonight as well. And he hit maybe the, the biggest basket of the night. He hit a huge three with 31 seconds left. That made it a five-point game. The, the, the Minnesota probably should not have been in this game because the Bulls were up by 28 at one point. But they did make it a game, got to within, I think, one. And then the Bulls kind of backed them off right there at the end. It got interesting because I, I was, again – watching the game semi-passively, I suppose, just because the starters weren't playing and Minnesota didn't seem like they were into it. You know, it really felt like a final meaningless game of the season. And then all of a sudden, Minnesota started to claw back into the game. So the actual game became interesting and just objectively fun to watch the game because it just almost by definition, it was close. So I started to watch and pay attention, and it still means nothing. But Patrick Williams had 35. Sumu had uh, 26 in the game. So it was, a, it was a good look towards the end for the Bulls, some interesting things that occurred throughout it. But the big picture here, is that the your Chicago Bulls will play the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know that we will find out during the overnight. I don't think we will, whether it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. But you never know. You never know. If somebody you know breaks through on Twitter, we will be the show. Score overnight. We would be the one that would bring that to you. Uh, 3 one 2 6 the number. Those games specifically that the Bulls lost to the Bucks this year, Bulls 0-4 against... Milwaukee. Um, let's see. Starting from the earliest game against Milwaukee this year, the first game they played against Milwaukee, and I remember this because it was like one of the 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 early tests for the Bulls. Let's see how good these guys really are. And the Bulls didn't play Milwaukee till March March fourth at the United Center, and they lost one eighteen to one twelve, so a six point loss on in the March fourth United Center game. Then, actually, my bad, my bad. Their first game was, 
January 21st at, at Milwaukee, and it was a 94-90 loss. The second game was March 4th. That would have been a really long time, and they lost at 118-112. to Then they got blown out um, at Milwaukee on March 22nd, 126-98. to And then that, that April 5th game at the United Center, the Wahoppen game, where it was twenty to twenty, and it looked like a fun, tight game where they were, you know, exchanging shots back and forth. It looked like the Bulls were going to play up to the caliber of the Milwaukee Bucks, and they did not. They did not. The Bulls ended up losing one twenty-seven to one hundred six, and so not not really close in these games. Some of them looked close, but they really weren't. Milwaukee has been in control of the Bulls. And so this is not a great matchup. The Bulls are the sixth seed, by the way. It's worth mentioning and just declaring because we've been obsessing over it for so long. The Bulls are the sixth seed. The Milwaukee Bucks are the three seed. We'll look at some of the other playoff matchups in the NBA a little bit later on. But, yeah, so it's a six-seeded Bulls against the third-seeded Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. The Bulls finished this season – with a record of 46 and 36. So they made it to 10 games over 500. I did not want to see nine games. I did not want to see that nine game because that's where they were, obviously, coming into this game against Minnesota. And I just thought that that, that just cheapens it. That was always one game, but the difference between double digit and the single digit, that's big to me. It's big to me. So you could just say, hey, in this season, the, the 2022 season, the Bulls were 10 games over 500. Sounds so much better than saying they were nine games over 500. Minnesota, by the way, ended up being 10 games over 500 as well this year. So they had a nice rebound season as well. So good for the good for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yes, it is good for the Bulls that they are in the postseason. But I think I, I'm past that, quite frankly. I'm past the whole, you know, because we sort of celebrated that on the clinch night, a night when the Bulls lost, but they clinched. And we, we talked about that a little bit, about how it's, yeah, it's pretty damn cool that relative to what has happened with the Bulls in the last five years, that they are back in the playoffs since the since the Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, Rajon Rondo era. So, Yes, I do give them that credit, but now it's about being real and not just like acting like it's a high school team where we're going to have pep rallies and we're all going to be excited just to be there in the United Center. Everybody's going to be, you know, holding up signs and wearing white or red or something like that. Man, now it's about what can you do? What kind of dent can you make? Are you really? Are you going to go down in these playoffs? Down, down, down. Is that what's going to happen? Are you just going to get swept? Are you going to get blown out in every game? You're gonna get outplayed because I, like I, I don't, I'm not going to excuse them for that occurring. You, you are a postseason team. You are a playoff team. So it is time for the bullies to act accordingly, or at least hopefully they will, and you know, fi- finally get you know over the hump of the Milwaukee Bucks. It's unrealistic to think that they would win the series, this best of seven, but. They, they need to to show out, win a couple of games, and add that to the resume this year. Because the resume is incomplete for this year as far as I'm concerned. 
it it started off extraordinarily and then they just survived since the all-star break it's been surviving basketball and because they played survivor basketball here they are playing the milwaukee bucks in the first round 312-644-6767 is the number i'm mark grody we have tons to do on this show we are going to talk a lot of baseball tonight both the cubs and white Sox win tonight the blackhawks did not win tiger woods did not win either but it's all on the table for us right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Vaughn, a majestic fly ball, deep left field. Meadows back at the wall, and Meadows reaches up, and he cannot make the catch. It's a home run for Andrew Vaughn, and it's a three-run shot for the Sox to make it 9-1. to one. Part of a White Sox 10-1 win over the Tigers today as seen on NBC Sports Chicago. Jason Benetti with a call right there of the Andrew Vaughn three-run jack late in the game. That's pretty sweet to see. I love that. See, here to me is one of the, the signs of a really good baseball team, maybe playoff team, maybe championship team is those add-on runs. I love those comfort runs, that that good base. And the Sox are known for this in the last couple of years. You have a, a, a comfortable lead, but it hasn't been put away yet. The Sox are good at that. In the seventh inning, Aloy Jimenez with a little jam shot RBI hit that made it 6-1, White Sox leading Detroit. And then along came Andrew Vaughn right there with the the three-run dinger, just putting it over the wall in left field. The left fielder's mitt seemed like it was close to maybe making a play, but not quite. And Vaughn with a home run that made it 9-1. to The Sox tacked on another run, obviously, to make it a, a 10-1 final out in Detroit. The White Sox take two out of three, and you could definitely call that a good start to the White Sox season. The Sox are off today. They will host Seattle tomorrow, Tuesday, and here we go. The Sox are into the starting pitchers they didn't want to have to get into this early in the year. Vince Velasquez is scheduled to start against Matt Brash. So, Velasquez is he's the opening day starter, the home opening day starter for the White Sox. How you like that? But, you know, as we talked about with the Cubs when they had their home opener, strange things happen, man. So who knows? Maybe Vince Velasquez comes out and throws like seven shutout innings. I don't think anybody's allowed to pitch seven innings for the Cubs or Sox or in baseball right now. So maybe he'll pitch five shutout innings. That's the optimistic way of looking at it but that's that's who's lined up right now Vince Vince Velasquez because of the Lucas Giolito injury the lower abdominal strain I think Giolito would safe to say is going to miss a couple of starts over that and then hopefully be reevaluated and then get him out there so get this, this get this thing over with and hopefully it's not something that they will have to revisit this year hopefully it's not chronic in some way where this is now going to be a thing for Lucas Giolito because, again, we talk about worst-case scenarios. I mean, is there a worst-case scenario for the White Sox considering everything than Lucas freaking Giolito getting hurt in his first start of the year where he looked pretty good, and then he gets injured, and obviously Lance Lynn 
is out. So, you know, good thing Dylan Cease looked good with his eight strikeouts and his performance. So that that you needed to see that. Like, I'm not even jumping for joy for Dylan. I said, Dylan Cease, you better pitch well, and he did. And, you know, we'll, we will see. We will we'll see. As for Mr. Kopech today, Michael Kopech uh, pitched four innings today. He allowed one run, two hits, struck out three, walked two, 69 pitches over his four innings. Here's the way I would describe his outing today. It was fine. It wasn't dominant by any means, but he put in the four innings, and it was fine. And I don't know, I do expect him to eventually have some dominant games, or at least I think that's where, until further notice, that's where I have the bar set for him. So he, the problem was for him, if you want to call it a problem, was that he just, he was throwing too many pitches. He threw 45 pitches through two innings. (laughs) You ain't going to last long if if that's the case. You know, strikeout pitchers, going to throw, but, but, he was going deep in counts. They the the Tigers were making some decent contact off of him, and it was running up his pitch count. So the Tigers had a, a pretty good plan against Kopech. They were on him, but let's you know let's get down to the basics here. Well, Kopech only allowed one run, um, and and it like symbolically of of what Kopech did today in the second inning. It was Victor Reyes with an RBI triple on the 39th pitch of the game. That's, again, in the second inning, a inning in which he, the only two gentlemen that he walked in the game were in that second inning. So he labored a little bit, and ultimately that was probably why he only lasted four innings today. Again, it gets it up to 69 pitches, which is nice. So he, he did get there. Sox win by nine. We'll look forward to. So I guess, you know what, I'm, put it down. I mean, put it down as a successful outing. For Michael Kopech, you know, I'm not going to call it dominant. I gave you the critiques of it. It was imperfect because of the pitch count and the contact that he was allowing and some of the hard hit balls off the arm of Kopech. But here he is, first week of the season, Michael Kopech started a game for the Chicago White Sox. So with some of the maintenance that has gone on, since Kopech has been here, and you can call him high maintenance. I think that's fair. It, it is nice to be able to say, if you are a White Sox fan, that Michael Kopech made a start and he was successful in it in his first week of the season. So I thought that that was, that was a good thing for him. The add-on runs, like I talked about with, with Andrew Vaughn. Another thing about Andrew Vaughn, <laughs> I do – it's very interesting when when Andrew Vaughn does, and this is going to be going on all year because Andrew Vaughn is one of those guys on the Sox who you're just not quite sure. You think he's really good, but you're just not quite sure. Like if you really thought Andrew Vaughn was really good, then you just would have been like, oh yeah, lock him in as one of your outfielders, your right fielder, get him in there every day. Get him his full at bat. Get him his four at bats a day. But it's not like that. It's kind of like we think you're good, but we're, but but there is a huge fraction of faction of, of Sox fans and maybe just baseball fans that love Andrew Vaughn. So when he gets a hit, there is a lot of people jumping on there saying, "See, see, you really want to trade this guy? You, you know, this guy should be in the lineup every single day." So. 
that's what we're doing. And, and maybe that's right. I think that he is a, the Andrew Vaughn who is good but not great, and the jury is still out. You know, I think when you are a, a first-round pick that was as high as him, the bar has to be set very high, and he's not there yet. So, And the only reason I say that is because he did have a really good start to last year, and then he kind of faded away towards the end. But this is a really nice way for him to get himself going in the third game of the season with a with a three-run jack, and, and an important one, an important one, just to make every, like to make everybody feel comfortable. You, you won the series because of that. You take two out of three. You didn't have to get into the the heart of the bullpen. No threat in getting you know another letdown from Aaron Bummer or from Liam Hendricks, which you know you're not going to expect to have happen a whole lot of the time. So it was that was good to see that you created that comfort, and uh, you just hope that that's the hey you can win ten to one every day, man. That's when I remember when the Cubs were doing that in 2016 when they they were the run differential was just ridiculous. It got to the point where in those games they would have to bring in their consequential relievers just to get them work. You know what I mean? Well, here comes Pedro Strope in a ten to what? What the, what the hell is going on here right now? You know, oh, Carlos Rodon, what's he doing in the game? Oh well, that's because they need to get. Hey, I remember Roldis Chapman coming into games at the end and being kind of pissy about it because he had to come in and pitch when it was twelve to two and he sucked. So, because he didn't want to be there in in the game at that at that moment, so that that would be a nice problem for Tony Larusa to to have to deal with. Sox win, Cubs win, Bulls will play the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs, which will start in Milwaukee on either Saturday or Sunday. More coming up here. Score overnight. I'm Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 